Well, today we want to continue in our uh, journey in the book of Acts. We're still in the beginning parts. And really, uh, what Karen read this morning from the Brit Hadashah fits right in. Uh, we were talking about that last week. This is what Yeshua taught about the, uh, the coming of the Ruach, the coming of the Spirit. But, you know, he was speaking in terms that they were not, uh, they were confused, right? And it's so uh, clear that how, how confused they were. What do you mean you're going to go away and then we're not going to see you and then we are going to see you? You're going to go, you're going to come back. What are you talking about? Right? They did not uh, uh, really understand what was going to happen. And as we'll see uh, today, uh, even, even uh, just as Yeshua is about to ascend to the Father, that uh, they're still, uh, they still don't, uh, don't quite uh, understand. Okay, so let's turn to the book of Acts. And uh, we're... We're in verse 5. It's kind of in the middle of where we were last week. I couldn't quite, quite get there. Okay. So in, in the book of Acts, uh, you know, at the beginning, uh, we already have learned how it's related to the gospel of Luke, uh, why Luke wrote it, who he wrote it to, and, and all of that. Uh, and then he begins uh, this narrative that really uh, continues what is going on at the very end of, uh, of the Gospel of Luke, okay? Uh, and so uh, Luke is telling us here at the beginning of Acts that during the 40 days after the resurrection, uh, but before Yeshua ascended to the right hand of the Father, Yeshua is teaching them, he's teaching them uh, from the Scriptures, from the Torah, the Prophets, and the Psalms, all about himself. Uh, he tells uh, them, in fact, here, what we'll do is let's go back to the very end of Luke. The very end of Luke in uh, chapter 24, in verse uh, 45. Luke 24, verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay? That's what we read at the end, uh, almost to the very end of Luke. Then you go to the beginning of Acts, and uh, we see uh, in verses 3, 4, and 5, To these he also presented himself alive after, he suff um, after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, not to leave the city, okay, uh, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which uh, he said, you heard from me. So just like it, he says uh, uh, here in verse 49 of Luke 24, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father, Upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then we see in verse 5, uh, something we don't read in, uh, uh, at the end of uh, Luke, but evidently what Yeshua uh, reiterated to them, what he meant. For John immersed with water, but you shall be immersed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So uh, in verse 5, 
Uh, when he says, for John baptized you or immersed you with water, but you shall be baptized or immersed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, what he is saying is what John was talking about, what John was saying about what's going to happen after him, the one who's coming after him, this is now going to, uh, uh, this is now going to happen. Everything up until now is in preparation for this event to take place, okay? So it's very interesting that, uh, you know, oftentimes when we talk about the life of Yeshua, we talk, some people accentuate his teachings, you know, focus on the, the Messiah came to teach us. Others might say the Messiah came to die for our sins. Others might say the Messiah came to be raised from the dead. May I suggest that what Luke is going to bring out here, that Yeshua came to teach us to die for our sins, to be raised from the dead, so that he could then ascend to the right hand of the Father and pour out the Ruach. That's why he came, okay? That's why he came. So when you go back to, uh, let's go to Luke chapter 3, because remember, it was one, like part one and part two, Luke and Acts, right? So uh, in the third chapter of uh, Luke, we read uh, in, uh, in verse 3, talking about John. You know, he's never called like John the Baptist. Do you know that? He's never called that. It's just John. It's called John. It's interesting. Okay. All right. I, uh, it's, there's so many things that we assume is actually... In. Anyway, in verse 3, And he came into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism or an immersion of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And it is written in the uh, book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. You can read this in Isaiah in the 40th chapter. Okay, But here he's quoting it. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So clearly, the immersion of John is like part one of this, the, the beginning of the, the new era. Okay, uh, and, and so then it says, every ravine shall be filled up, every mountain shall, uh, and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall become straight and the rough roads smooth, and all flesh shall, shall see the salvation of God. Basically, that is a little slice of everything it says about what's going to happen, you know, in the world to come. The wolf will lay down with the lamb. Uh, the earth's produce will, you know, the, the earth will uh, yield its fruit and, uh, and fulfill even its own calling I, uh, you know, and uh, uh, the nations are going to come to Jerusalem and worship the King, the Lord of hosts. All the things uh, that it says John is saying, I am not him, but he's coming after me. Okay. Now, if you go down to verse 15 of Luke chapter 3. Now, while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he might be the Messiah. John answered and said to them, As for me, I immerse you or I baptize you with water. But one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandal. He will immerse you, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand and uh, to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the weed into the barn but he will burn up the uh, uh, chaff with, unquench with unquenchable fire. 
So basically, if we, if we don't bring all of our baggage to the table here, he's saying that after me is going to come the one who's going to do all those things. He's going to bring judgment to this world. He's going to bring, you know, to this world, to those who reject him. He's going to bring deliverance to those who love him. And the, John is bringing one immersion. He's saying, I'm bringing one immersion in, in physically in water. But he is going to immerse you in, you know, in the spirit, in the, in the Ruach. Which, as we saw last week, uh, is what Joel talks about. Which is what Ezekiel talks about. This immersion of the Ruach, which is the environment of the earth, becomes filled with the presence of God. Okay? And all that goes with it. The restoration of Israel, the, the restoration of the land, the people, the nations, all of that. That is this immersion that Yeshua is bringing. And it happens at a period of time. Okay? It happens at a period of time after Yeshua is ascended to the right hand of the Father. And isn't it interesting in what Karen read this morning? If you turn back there to that very passage, couldn't have, it's how God works. In John 16... He's talking about, in most of, of that whole chapter, he's talking, if you go back to the very end of, of chapter 15, you know, in verse 26, when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. Very important. He will bear witness of me and you. That's why they're going to be able to bear witness of him to the world. Okay? And you will bear witness also. Because you have been with me from the beginning. That's why, very important, that the apostles play a very important and particular role. Okay? These things I have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. Now, Karen read all that. You can read it again on your own. But quite clearly, they're confused. Because they had always understood that when the Messiah comes, it's like a no-brainer. When the Messiah comes, everybody's going to know it. Because the world is going to be turned upside down. Okay? But remember what we said about the mystery of the kingdom? We talked about that, right? Uh, and here he's just kind of describing that, okay? He talks about the coming of the Ruach. But notice what he says at the very end of, of what Karen read. In verse uh, 28 I, of chapter 16 of John, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father, Okay? Very important that he says, I'm going to the Father. Yes, it's after the resurrection, but going to the his The ultimate, the end game is for the Messiah to sit on his throne at the right hand of the Father and pour out the Ruach. Because the goal has been to inaugurate the new era. Okay, And all that has to take place for the new era to come. For the, the Olam Haba, the world to come, the, the, the restored kingdom. Uh, 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 to come. And so that is what in, in Acts uh, chapter 1 is why Luke, uh, in, in verse 5, I find it fascinating that after, in the end of verse 4, when it says what the, what, you know, what Yeshua is speaking, wait, and he says, uh, but wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard from me. But he doesn't then quote like John 16 or uh, or what he said all about the Ruach. He goes back to John. He goes back to uh, John the Immerser. And he says, you see, 
John, he, he had this immersion, and now this moment is coming. This immersion of the Spirit is coming. Now, I have to be careful not to say it all now, right? Because we have to get chapter 2 and 3. In chapter 2 and 3, Peter actually unpacks a lot of what all of that, what, what all of that means and, uh, and, and what it means to them. But one thing I will say here is that uh, when Yeshua uh, uh, immerses the world with the Ruach, remember what it says in Joel chapter 2? The Spirit is going to be poured out. Remember what it said? Upon who? All mankind. It doesn't say only on you, Israel, or only on you, remnant of Israel. It says all mankind. You can go look it up. Joel chapter 2, 28 and 29. Okay? We, we read it last week. All right? Uh, and so you'll see, when the Spirit is poured out, Yeshua pours out the Ruach on the whole world and gives the entire world the opportunity of, of turning and, you know, and, and really uh, receiving what the world craves. Peace, kindness, love, you know, uh, great leadership, uh, and all of that. But the only people, this is the mystery of the kingdom, the only people who can participate in it are those who receive are those who receive, see, until he returns. That's why uh, in the Gospel of John, the most famous verse of all, it doesn't say, and God loved Israel so much that he sent his only begotten son. Or God loves the believers so much. He says, no, he loves the world so much that the coming of the Yeshua and the pouring out of the Ruach is supposed to affect the whole world. And you know what's really interesting? It does. That event does, even now. And in that very uh, uh, chapter of uh, John uh, 16, in uh, uh, verse uh, 7, 8, and 9, and 10, it's kind of interesting. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, and when he comes, he will convict the world con concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now that means a lot of things, but I'll just say this about that passage. And this also will relate to what we're going to read in, again, chapters 2 and 3 and even 4 and 5 of Acts. And that is that the judgment of the world, we could say, was to kill him. The judgment of the world was to crucify the Messiah. But he rose from the dead, and not only rose from the dead in time, space, history in one place, but he ascends to the right hand of the Father and he is the victorious king. He turns the conviction of the world upside down. And now the world is convicted, and he is vindicated. You see? And so, uh, in that sense, he brings conviction to the world via the Ruach. The pouring out of the Spirit is the victory. Is the victory. Okay? Uh, and uh, not only that, but... What do we read? I won't take the time, but in uh, the book of Ephesians, we read that what are we supposed to do is the light, the Ruach dwells in us, we are the light, we what? Expose the darkness. And so the world, the darkness of the world via the Ruach is seen for what it is. The Spirit of God is not, um, 
you know, the truth of God is not real because we believe it. It's true because it's true. And we embrace the truth. So the Spirit of God is poured out, and those who embrace Yeshua enter into that environment. And yes, the Spirit of God indwells us. But just like we read in earlier in the 15th chapter of John, not only does He abide in us, but what? We abide in Him. And so it is this environment in which we live that the Ruach is in us and around us and in our community. Uh, and that, as we'll see, is the witness of His reality and that He indeed lives. And so this immersion of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I, I, Luke is writing about and that Yeshua says you've got to wait for it to happen is this, the greatest event that there ever was. The pouring out of the Ruach. The pouring out of the Ruach is the beginning of the restoration of Israel. It is therefore the, the beginning of the, the restoration of this world. To say it's the birth of the church is really not... Uh, the best way to articulate that, okay? It really isn't, because it assumes there's a new story. It assumes that there's this great discontinuity between uh, the promise to Israel and what happens now. But it is, there is great continuity. This is what the prophets were saying, but the mystery is that it would come this way, that the Ruach would be poured out, but that the Ruach Therefore, the very presence of Yeshua could be rejected. And that's what we talked about in, in Matthew chapter 13, the mystery of the kingdom. And so the very presence of the Ruach in the body of Messiah does affect the whole world. Okay? Now, the Bible talks about, there's a lot of things of what happens when the Spirit of God is poured out upon those who embrace him. You know, it says in Ephesians chapter 4 in the fourth verse, there's one immersion, one baptism, meaning there's one event. There's one thing that happens that we participate in, okay? And then it's quite interesting. Uh, we read in, Ro in Romans chapter 6, we're immersed. Again, we read, we're immersed, we're baptized into the death and resurrection of Yeshua. We're immersed into the reality of that. You know, it's a supernatural thing. It's an invisible thing in our lives. And then it also uses the same word in one other place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, where we are baptized, we are immersed into the body of Messiah. Isn't it interesting? So, by the pouring out of the Spirit, mankind has the opportunity, beginning in Jerusalem, beginning with Israel, has the opportunity to be part of the living Messiah in this world. Okay? See how powerful it is? When we receive the Lord, it's not just, oh, now it's me and God against the world. Or God has a wonderful plan for me. No, now I get to be part of what he's doing in this world. He poured out the Ruach to change the world. When we receive him, we're in. We're in the Ruach. We're in the Spirit. We're in his presence. And you can't go anywhere. You can't. He's in us. He's around us. And as Messiah followers, by definition... He is with us wherever we go, okay? But being part of the body, that is how God uh, makes himself known in the greatest way in the, in the uh, community. We're immersed into one body. Now, when he says we're immersed into one body, he doesn't mean into this congregation, that congregation, into the universal body of Messiah. 
and that no matter whether you're here at Beth Messiah, you're, you're at some place else, or another a congregation, messianic congregation, or church, whatever it is, that embraces the Lord and you know, really believes the word of God, and people come to know, we're, we're all organically related. We're all organically related because of this great thing that Yeshua does in, in baptizing with the Ruach, okay? All right. Technically, what he's doing us is he's baptizing us into himself via the Ruach. And that's why when, when like you, you read all over the, the New Covenant, walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. All the, that is what believers do. That is what Messiah followers do because we are in his environment. We are, we are in the immersion when we, when we know the Lord. That's why a Messiah follower who um, really messes up and starts feeling, you know, feel, you, you feel really guilty because you're living in the environment of the Ruach and there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to go. You're, you're going to feel guilty because you're like, now I'm out of step. The wonderful thing is that he doesn't kick us out. He doesn't say, you don't measure up, you're out of the spirit, right? You're, you're out. Th- no, no, you just keep feeling more and more guilt until you finally confess your sins and repent. And then, bam, there you are. All right, because this is where I live. This is where I live, right? Very important. Yeah, I can think of 10 new covenant passages to turn to. What do you think it means when he says, in John 15, abide in me and I abide in you. I live in you, you live in me. That all comes via the Ruach. When, we're, when we are immersed in him, when we come to know Yeshua, we are immersed in him. And that is indeed a promise of God. And that is what is being anticipated at the beginning of Acts chapter 1. That's what's being, this is all the, the, the new era is about to begin. The greatest thing that has ever happened in world history is about to happen. And John his immersion. Now, you know, his immersion is not the same thing as getting immersed after you know the Lord, right? Did you know that? Right, I hope you know that. That's why getting immersed in the Jordan is kind of an interesting thought because John's immersion was prior to the pouring out of the Ruach. It was like looking forward to it. When we're immersed now, the, the early believers kept that ancient Jewish custom because of its meaning of an outward demonstration of what happens inwardly, okay? It's not exactly what John was doing. John's was, a, was a, a, a really a message of repentance and preparation for this to happen. It's already happened to us, so when we get immersed, that's why, you know, when we get immersed, it's, it's to identify us in a public way with what has taken place. That's why the greatest verse of the Ethiopian, in the Ethiopian eunuch passage is, look, or what is it? Like, look, there's water, <laughs> right? That, uh, and, and so, it, look, there's water. It wasn't, wait a minute, is it the Jordan or is it another body of water? He says, look, there's water, right? And he got immersed because this is what took place in, uh, you know, uh, in him. But clearly, when John preaches, he's saying, there's me, and then there's the one who's coming after me. And so this event uh, that, that they're anticipating, waiting in Jerusalem, is this greatest event that has ever uh, uh, taken place. Then when, when we, 20 centuries, 21 centuries later, when we embrace Yeshua, this immersion has been in this... The, the Spirit of God was poured out 2,000 years ago, and isn't it a wonderful thing that today... 
when we uh, ask the Lord to come into our lives, we embrace the Lord, you know, whatever terminology we like to use, we participate in that historical event. We participate in that immersion. Very, very, okay? In a way, it's kind of like when a Jewish person is born, uh, and, uh, you know, they're part of the covenant of Abraham, you know, historically, physically, right? You don't have another Mount Sinai experience. Mount Sinai happened once. So did Pentecost. Happened once. The events of Sinai, the events of Acts chapter 2, they each happened once with lasting effects. A Jewish person, remember what Moses says in Deuteronomy? He says, you were there. They weren't there. But he says, you were there. When we embrace Yeshua, we were not there. We weren't born. But we're there. That, that event has affected us today when we embrace Messiah. Okay? All right. So now you would think uh, that uh, uh, they're ready to go. Like, okay. And, you know, I, I would say I learned something over the past few years about verse 6. That years ago, I used to say this. This is what I used to say. Just a few years ago. That they were so confused, they didn't get it. They didn't understand. They said, well, okay, okay, uh, it's great that, uh, you know, all that is going to happen. But now are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because that's what's supposed to happen when the Messiah comes. But I understand this now as they understood perfectly what Yeshua was saying now and why they had to wait in Jerusalem because the pouring out of the Ruach meant the restoration of Israel. Not like in spite of it or something, but the, the pouring out of the Ruach meant that Israel would be restored. The pouring out of the Ruach means a victory over enemies. Well, what do we read in the mouth of the father of John? If you go back to Luke again, Luke chapter 1. Luke is very helpful in understanding the Remember uh, what I said, uh, I think it was last time, that I would say read, you know, if you read the first two chapters of Luke, basically you're reading about Jewish expectations of the coming of the Messiah. I guess you'd have to say, except for the virgin, that was, that was not an expectation. But if you go to verse 67, it says, And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, let me just in passing say, you see, a variety of people are filled with the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of Luke, all before the, uh, uh, all, all before the immersion of the world, right? The Holy Spirit is alive and well, uh, you know, throughout all of uh, history, right? All the way back to the beginning of Genesis, right? But the, events, but the event of the immersion of the Spirit into the world is, is this huge worldwide event, I, like you could say, a new ministry of the Ruach. Okay, but, but people are filled with the Spirit, clearly. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation uh, for the house of David, his servant. By the way, there's some real interesting uh, relationship between Hannah's prayer in uh, 1 Samuel and, and this passage. It's kind of interesting. Uh, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hands uh, of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, uh, in holiness and righteousness, 
uh, before him all, uh, all uh, our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways. So now he's speaking about his son. Uh, the earlier verses, he's talking about the, the Messiah and Messianic expectations. This is the expectation of the apostles. Okay, we're going to wait and the Ruach will be poured out. And then like that's going to be the end of the Romans. You know, the, the wolf is going to lay down with the lamb. Uh, we could turn to Isaiah 32, and it's going to say there that when the Spirit is poured out, the Israel will yield all kinds of uh, vegetation uh, and all other kinds of, of things. And, and so this is uh, what, they, uh, you know, what they understood. Okay, so very important in Acts 1, when they say this, so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Now, okay. Like, you're the king, you're pouring out the Ruach, now. And he gives them an answer. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. There's a, there's a few very interesting things. There's a lot of interesting things, but a few that we'll mention here. Okay? First of all, he said, It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. You don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to happen, but you don't know when it's going to happen. Okay? Nobody knows when it's going to happen. So remember that. So in case some of your favorite authors and television personalities tell you when it's going to happen, they know more than Yeshua, okay? Just saying, all right? Okay. Now, I will say, I know what the response is to that. But it does say when you see the fig tree, you know, when you see the leaves uh, and the fig tree blossoming, know that the day is coming, right? Okay. Well, if you go to that passage, I'm just, why am I saying this? And if you go to that passage in Matthew 24, I could, t I, could, I could show you, and others could show you better than me, how every period of time in world history has had all of those signs, you know? I would say the only, the only exception might be the establishment of the modern state of Israel, and that's probably the most interesting of all. But still, not enough to say, okay, everybody get ready, you know? That's not what Yeshua said. I think we need to stick with what he said right? Okay. It is not for you to know. Then he says times or epochs. That is very interesting, okay? It's not, I'm going to suggest it's not just like poetic, okay? Those words could be interchangeable. They don't have to be, but, you know, times or epochs. Epochs, that's a very interesting word, that in Judaism, there is this belief. Uh, in fact, I hope I wrote it. I think I have it even written down. I think I wrote it. Uh, that, um, it's in, uh, the, uh, it's in the Talmud. Got it here. Yeah, good. They taught in the Academy of Elijah, 6,000 years is the world, 2,000 chaos, 2,000 Torah, and 2,000 years Messiah. And that's kind of interesting. So the point of that is, here, I even quoted a Jewish uh, writer uh, explaining this. The core tenet of the Jews is that the world had a beginning, a rallying cry that they proclaimed for millennia, to the derision of the rest of humanity, has only recently been adopted by all as true via newfound and incontrovertible evidence. After thousands of years, now all can see to the very first word of the Torah. There was indeed a beginning. That's a, this cryptic Talmudic statement teaches us there is an end as well. The world is a process leading up to an ultimate and unavoidable conclusion. Okay? What is the conclusion? What is the meaning of these three epochs? 
And then he goes on to say here, uh, uh, beginning with Abraham up to the death of Moses, tell a story of history's most unprecedented people uh, and their journey. And then comes the Messiah. Uh, And so it's kind of interesting that in Sanhedrin, the fact that it's there tells us that in the first few centuries, that this was, a, this was a, something that people knew. There's 2,000 years, 2,000 years, and 2,000. And so when Yeshua says, nobody knows times or epochs, it's kind of interesting that he, he says that, you know? Like, in other words, you don't know. Don't go by that timetable. It's God the Father's timetable. Okay, it's kind of interesting. All right, and then uh, we read this. Oh, he says, that which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Okay? All right. We'll just leave that there. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest uh, part of the earth. And so here is where he says, but you shall receive power, what you're waiting for. When the Holy Spirit comes, when the immersion of the Spirit comes, you, you who you, you are the apostles. He's talking to the apostles, those who were witnesses of him, those who were with him, those that know that he died and rose from the dead, and in a moment, watch him ascend to the right hand of the Father. You will receive power. When you embrace uh, Yeshua, the immersion takes place, and you receive power, power of testimony. Power of witness, power of a lot of things, power of all that it means to be part of uh, the body of Messiah, okay? It doesn't mean you can do all things, uh, and it's very interesting because in Acts, we read about a lot of people who come to believe. We read, what did the Ethiopian Ethiopian eunuch exude when he uh, embraced the Lord? Joy, okay? That's what it says, joy. Uh, Lydia, remember her? She immediately opens up her home and, and, and expresses great hospitality. When people are immersed in the Spirit, when we receive the Lord, there's all kinds of ways that we change because we're all individual human beings with, with personalities and, and God doesn't do away with any of that, right? Very, very important. We, we'll see in the second chapter of Acts what happened there, that, that they began to understand each other in a supernatural way. They began to understand each other's languages, right? That had never happened before. Uh, and that in and of itself is a very interesting beginning for a variety of reasons, right? And a few times when Peter especially has to be convinced that, th- that these other folks have what we have, they needed to see the same kind of sign so that Peter would be able to say, okay, what we had, that's what they're doing. Okay, they're with us, right? And we'll, we'll get to that. But the point is, is that they would receive power. They would receive power, uh, clothed with a power. And, and therefore, it says, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses. Now, my witnesses, that's a huge thing, my witnesses. You go to Isaiah chapter 43 and Isaiah chapter 44. This is what God calls the remnant of Israel to to be. My witnesses. All right? Be my witnesses. And it's very interesting if you turn to Isaiah 43. First it says, let other people call their witness. You know, let other people witness. uh, But you are my witnesses. And you will testify that I am he. I am the only one. 
Now, Yeshua says here, my witnesses, right? He says, you're my witnesses, okay? Okay, I want us to turn to the Gospel of John, to chapter 8, and we'll finish with this. John 8, the famous verse 58. John 8, 58. That's how you always remember that, right? John 8, 58. Okay. Yeshua said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. I am. Now, nine out of ten people will go directly to the burning bush and say, there you see, the Yeshua is at the burning bush. He's the one who says, I am. Who shall I say to me? I am. I'm going to suggest that that is true, but it's not what Yeshua is referring to when he says this. May I suggest that he is referring to Isaiah chapter 43. Okay? Turn there, Isaiah 43. In verse 10, it says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, my servant whom I have, uh, whom I have chosen, in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Okay? In the Septuagint, ego eimi, I am. Okay? Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed, and there was no strange God among you. So you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Even from eternity, I am he. I am, I am, I am. You see it all the way through here? I am. And so uh, Yeshua is saying, I am identified with the Savior. I am the Savior, right? And so in Acts chapter 1, when he says, you are my witnesses, he's like taking it home. He's saying, you see, you are my witnesses. I am he, and you were with me, and you physically have seen it, see? But everyone who embraces the Lord, right, enters into this immersion and we all, therefore, then have a testimony. Something that I can say to somebody about, I know that he's alive. Look at the work he's done in my life. Look at the difference, you know? And by the way, the greatest example right at the beginning of this, this difference and being a witness and a change in somebody's life, may I suggest, is Peter, who ran away, who lied and said he, didn't ever, he never met the guy. You know, don't we say that? Never met the guy, you know? That's what Peter does. Now, Peter is immersed. Woof! He steps up to the plate big time. And he preaches away. And he's courageous. And he's undaunted, you know? And that is because he has this confidence because God has done this new work in his life, see? And so that's what it means. You shall be my witnesses. And then just finally... It's amazing that Yeshua says that because it tells us this is the, the continuity of the scriptures. Israel is still the witness of God. He's saying to these apostles, to these Jews, you are my witnesses. In the context of it, in the moment of it, you are my witnesses. And beginning in Jerusalem, and Acts is going to show what happens in, to the Jerusalem Jews and then there's like another ring, the, uh, the uh, Hellenistic Jews, and then another ring, God-fearers, and then another ring, just plain old Gentile. And that's kind of interesting when we see that in the 13th chapter of Acts. Uh, and so, this, so the point is, is that Israel is still the chosen people, 
And it's still like the days of the prophets where you have a lot of people who don't believe, right? But you have a remnant who does and who are the witnesses of the new era uh, of the Alam Haba. And then joined up by lots of people who aren't Jewish, who embrace the Messiah of Israel and come under his lordship in the immersion of the Ruach and are empowered in testimony as well. Uh, and, uh, and that's, you know, this gets unpacked a lot by Paul, like in Romans and elsewhere. But that's what's going on, and that's what they're waiting for. Okay, uh, here in Acts uh, uh, chapter uh, 1. And we're going to stop here, uh, and then we're, we'll continue. Uh, oh, oh, I, need, I have to, I just have to say this. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You should be my witnesses. Okay. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, therefore, and the remotest part of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the remotest part of the earth. That's those. And Acts kind of follows that paradigm. It's kind of interesting. Okay. All right. The next thing we're going to read is about the ascension. Now it's going to historically the ascension of the Messiah. And then the issue of, hey, we're missing an apostle. Uh, and, uh, and how they uh, deal with that. So may we, what's our takeaway? I hope that our takeaway is, wow, you know, I never really thought all about all that is what happens when I come to know the Lord. I'm part of what God is doing in this world. It's not just now, now I'll be a better person, but God is, he has poured out the Ruach in this world, and when we embrace him, we become part of that great world. That he is. And uh, what did Paul say to the believers at Philippi? It, refer, it reflects on all of us. He who began a good work in you will perfect it, continue it, and perfect it to the day of Messiah. There is in. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, thank you, God, for your faithfulness to Israel in pouring out the Ruach and coming and living, dying, being raised from the dead. And, uh, and then ascending to the right hand of the Father and pouring out the Ruach, pouring out the Spirit. Lord, thank you that over the past 2,000 years, there has always been a testimony. There's always been a testimony. And thank you, God, in these days, uh, there are flashes of that testimony. When you bring revival to this place and you bring revival to that place, there is a, a, a sense uh, of uh, uh, the, the immersion taking hold in new ways. Lord, and so God, may indeed we be filled with the Ruach. May we be controlled by the Ruach. May we live a messianic life, a Messiah life. May you abide in us and may we abide in you. And as Paul said, that when he embraced you, he died, yet he lives because Yeshua lives in him. And the life that he lives, he lives by faith in the Son of God. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to say that too and that we would make a difference everywhere we go, because wherever we go, we bring the evidence of the immersion of the Ruach with us as Messiah followers. May we be aware of it. May we live it. May we speak it, Lord. May we demonstrate. Thank you. We pray in Messiah's name.